Hey everyone, my name is Igal Adado and this is the Palm Leaders Podcast. A podcast to help you make more money, stress less, and live an epic life, all while working at the pawn shop. Ladies and gentlemen, Palm Brokers, welcome back to another episode of Palm Leaders Podcast. With me today, I have a special man. Uh, Tim is a co-owner and managing partner of Pacer Limited. He founded the pawn shop in 1990 after a 10-year career in retail jewelry with Gordon's Jewelers and several independent jewelers. He is the president of the Arkansas Palm Brokers Association, past GRC chair of the National Palm Brokers Association, and the current president of the MPA or the National Palm Brokers Association. Tim and his wife, Lisa, have been married for 33 years, have three sons, Walker, and twins, Garrett and Griffin. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Egal. I really appreciate you having me on and giving me the opportunity. No, it's thank you for being on as a president of the MP. I'm sure you're a busy man with your own business and the association. So thanks for taking the time out. You bet. Today was bill day. So I've been paying bills all day. So I needed a break. It was a oh, day. there you go. So this is great. So, th- one out. <laughs> so, so this is fun for you. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. So I do want to ask one question. Sure. I, I have a two and a half year old daughter. She's a handful. How did you guys do it with twins? You know, you'd think it'd be twice the problem, but really it wasn't that bad when you, when you double team a little bit, you know, you got to make formula, you got to change diapers. You just do it. You know, it's just, it's not nearly as bad as you'd think it'd be. Nice, nice. <laughs> so tell us, 10 years in the pawn industry, many more in the jewelry industry. What made you start Pacer? Give me, give us some history about your uh, career in the pawn shops. Okay, so uh, I started out uh, in junior high school working in a jewelry store. I was engraving plaques and trophies for a, a friend of our family's jewelry store. I had an independent jewelry store. and. Um, did that part-time working my way uh, through high school and then went to college, got a part-time job while I was in college working at a jewelry store. Cause that's all I knew. Uh, and then got out of, got out of college and didn't want to push a pencil. My, you know, my major was business and economics with an emphasis in accounting and didn't see myself being an accountant. So, um, went to work at Gordon's jewelers and did some management training programs with them and got my own store and, then an independent hired me away and I managed her store. And then another independent uh, reached out to me and said, Hey, I got this idea for a, a jewelry only pawn shop that uh, would specialize in fine jewelry. And uh, you know, he had a jewelry business and wasn't interested in doing it, but said, if you'll run it, I'll, you know, provide the seed money to get it started and we'll see if we can't make a go of it. So you know, like anything, you take a chance and hope it works. And 27 years ago, it you know, we opened in 1990 and we're still going strong. So uh, found a little niche in Little Rock. Uh, it's, you know, half a million population. And uh, we, we just do our own little thing in an office building and do it by appointment. And, and uh, haven't really branched out and done anything other than just jewelry. Um, don't have a re- retail uh, pawn shop don't have a storefront uh, hmm. just wholesale everything that's not redeemed whether it's you know refine the gold or sell the diamonds or whatever we my partner has still has a retail jewelry store and he does manufacturing so he uses uh, a lot of the forfeited items that we get and we you know either sell them as as vintage pieces or 
melt them and make something new out of them. So it, it's been a good partnership between he and I, and uh, I've learned a lot from him. He's learned a lot from me. I'm still trying to get him out of that retail mentality. You know, when a pond customer comes in and they bring a piece of jewelry in, the first thing he's thinking is, wow, how, how can I get this piece of jewelry and how, you know, how yeah. to, how to, to, to short the customer when I'm telling him the, the more you, the more you take it in on pawn for, the more you're going to make in fees and you're going to, you know, you're, you're, you're going to make it, you know, have a happy customer. Uh, so I'm still working on him on that 27 <laughs> years later, but I think maybe someday we'll get it all figured out. Yeah. Well, I think that's, it's smart. You know, when, when my brother and I were doing business, we always lent a lot more because we know that the bigger the loan balance, the more recurring income, the happier the clients, we can beat out the competition. So smart of you and hopefully it'll work after the 28th year maybe maybe when he listens to the podcast you'll make him listen to this and and, uh i don't know what his name is but start lending more right exactly (laughs) nice so what made you guys was his idea that you want to do the very niche only jewelry you know just a little office or it was his idea but um I, i you know, he, he takes credit for it, but he will also tell you that he, he did not hatch the idea himself. We actually got the idea from a, uh, uh, a uh, friend of his who served on a board with him. Uh, we have a, uh, a Levi Arthritis Hospital in Hot Springs, and uh, he served on the board of directors with a, a little Jewish man from Memphis. All right. Who was also uh, in the jewelry business. Uh, my partner's Jewish. Uh, and so, uh, his friend was, uh, back in the day was Elvis's jeweler, actually made Lisa Marie's, uh, some jewelry and made the original engagement ring for, for Elvis and, uh, his retired, his son didn't really like the jewelry business, didn't like the retail grind. And so he ended up, uh, opening up a, a jewelry only pawn shop in the greater Memphis area. And, uh, and so he. Every time he would come down from his dad would come down for a board meeting, my partner would ask him, so how's Ronnie? How's the business? Oh, he just doing great, loving it. And so that's how he kind of got the idea. And and we actually went to Memphis and spent a week with him looking at his operation. He shared everything with us and said, just don't come across the Mississippi river in in Arkansas. You guys can do whatever you want to do. So he was very gracious to help us with the, the concept, obviously, we changed some things and did some things a little differently than the way he was doing it. He had some showcases and was selling jewelry. I've always found that whether I was in retail jewelry or whether I was in pawn, it was very awkward for me to tell a customer on one hand, your ring is worth $200. And yet on the other hand, they come back and that same ring is out in the showcase and it's marked at Seven ninety nine or whatever the price might yeah, be. So yeah. we avoid that by not doing any retail. Um, and you know, I mean, I use some, you know, some of my resources to to custom make jewelry for people when they want something for a gift. You know, we'll uh, we'll manufacture something new or or sell a, a uh, an item to someone that's used and refurbish it. Uh, but it just keeps you, uh, on the up and up with the customers. So they understand the difference between wholesale and retail. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, 
Yep. In my pawn shop, we had a big retail sales was sales were very, very important. It paid, you know, 40% of the bills out right. of one time. And when you're running on pawn and I mean, in California, we had a very, very low interest rate. We still have a very low interest rate. Uh, our margins were made from the sales. That's some of the best bread and butter. You know, that was, that was great. Right. So how's business today with, with the way the gold price is kind of, you know, it's not fluctuating as much as it used to. Gold was going up. Is it more, more stable? Is it the same as before? What's going on with your well, business these days? Uh, as far as my business and then the people I talk to as well, being uh, affiliated with the NPA as well as with the Arkansas Pawn Brokers Association, I have the opportunity to visit with pawn brokers, not only here in Arkansas, but across the country. And I think it's changes, uh, from different regions, but uh, as far as from what I can gather and, and talking with pawnbrokers across the country uh, and in Arkansas, uh, the dynamic has changed a little bit. Uh, with low unemployment rate like it is across the country, anyone who wants a job has got a job. If you don't have a job, then you're not either you don't want a job or you're not looking hard enough for a job, uh, or you don't want to lower your sights and, and go to work you know, for a lower wage, uh, because there are jobs out there for everyone. With that being said, if you've got a job and you've got an income, a steady income, and you don't have unexpected expenses, and you know what I'm talking about there, I mean, that's where a lot of our business comes from is when, you know, most people in today's climate don't have the means to be able to save and have a savings account. So they live pretty much paycheck to paycheck. As long as you have a job and you're making ample amount of money and you're able to, to pay your bills, you're doing okay. But it's the unexpected expenses that come up that uh, create an issue where you have to uh, pawn something. So that, you know, that's created a situation where with everybody working uh, and, and not needing as much pawn, our pawn balances are actually down. Um, you know, we've got longtime customers who, uh, you know, we don't see as often as we did before because they're doing better, which is a good thing. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying that it's yeah. just, uh, you want to be here and, you know, and then you, you don't see somebody for uh, two or three years and they come back and they say, gosh, I'm sure glad you're still here. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so, but yeah, the, I'd say, because of the combination of the prices of gold dropping back down into a manageable number of 12, 1300, as opposed to the 18, 1900 we saw and, uh, and not as nearly as, as much Melly diamond out there because, you know, there was so much gold sold when the price spiked up. Uh, you're seeing that your receivables have dropped anywhere from 20 to 30%. Um, so pawnbrokers are looking for other avenues to try to generate more revenue, whether it be getting into luxury items, handbags, things of that nature, or whether or not they do more concentration on their online sales, whether eBay or, or uh, Facebook, uh, uh, whatever the Facebook uh, marketplace marketplace is, yeah. or, or anything like that to be able to subsidize uh, part of the missing revenue from, from your pawn revenues. Yeah. So going back to my history in Pond, we had a 7,000 square foot store full of electronics and cockroaches sometimes. Um, we had tons of employees, you know, big overhead. Talk to me a little bit about the benefit of doing what you do, doing just, you know, small office jewelry. I'm going to guess you like nine to five. 
call me with an appointment. There's got to be some freedom in that. There is. If there weren't, uh, I wouldn't be able to devote uh, and dedicate the amount of time that I do to uh, to the industry uh, through volunteer working with the state and the National Association. Um, obviously, if you're running a business properly, just because you say you try to work by appointment, you've got to really be here pretty much all the time because you you sure don't want to lose out on a customer that walks in and and brings a you know a carat diamond or two carat diamond or a Rolex and you're not there because you're out traveling somewhere and they didn't have an appointment and so. Uh, so if I'm not here, my partner comes and, and covers for me. So I just, uh, it, again, it's a good partnership that we have to where as long as he knows I'm going to be out of town, he keeps his calendar fairly open and he covers for me. And uh, so, so to not to, to uh, skirt the question, but I'll, I'll talk about the downside first. And yeah. that, is, that is because it's so specialized uh, and because so many folks in the pawn industry uh, and I would say the majority don't have the GIA training to be able to look at a diamond to determine whether it's been fracture filled, Yehuda treated, uh, uh, laser treated, uh, whatever, uh, or Rolex to determine whether or not uh, it's got a Japanese movement in it or yeah. if it's all authentic. Uh, you've got to know a little bit about everything. And so it's very difficult. And, and we actually had a second location that was open for about 12 years and closed it down because you can't duplicate yourself. As you know, Egal, it's, yeah. uh, it's you doing your thing and then you can try and train other people to a certain extent. But uh, this particular business being that it's jewelry only jewelry has a sentimental attachment and value to a lot of our customers. And so you've almost got to sell yourself uh, as opposed to to uh, to selling the pond so that they feel comfortable in leaving their belongings with you, knowing that they're going to get uh, the same things back that they left and not have to worry about their, you know, their treasures uh, while they're in your possession. So, uh, you know, that's uh, in a nutshell, that is kind of makes it a little bit more unique. Um, we do have a small office. We do have low overhead. Um, uh, so, but, but we do, you know, we do a lot of advertising because we are unique. Um, we don't keep anything on premises. We use, utilize safe deposit boxes. So therefore, uh, we've got, you know, the expense of, of insurance to cover all of the merchandise while it's either in transit or back and forth, uh, and in the safe deposit boxes. And, um, you know, we, we, uh, uh, you know, we just do things a little bit differently so that uh, when a customer walks in and, you know, you, 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 I don't, I hate to say this, but, you know, a lot of times I'll have a, a young lady walk in and uh, bring a piece of jewelry in and she'll say, wow, I, I would never take it to a pawn shop. <laughs> well, well, welcome to the pawn shop. Welcome to my pawn shop. <laughs> but, but, you know, women have all the jewelry, as you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. either they got it for themselves or it was bought for them. 90% of what I see is female jewelry, whether, uh, whether they bring it in or whether their husband brings it in, because, you know, most guys have got a, you know, maybe a watch and, and a wedding band. Um, and, uh, so you've got, it's got to lend itself to where, uh, that demographic feels comfortable in, in bringing things in. And let's face it up until, you know, the last 10 or 15 years, the typical pawn shop has not lent itself 
to being very open and welcoming to a young lady to walk in. You've Agreed. got the guns and the bars on the windows and the stereos and the tools and the lawnmowers. And, you know, so many women just, you know, I had, a, we had a pawn shop close here recently here in the, the greater Little Rock area. And he said, we just couldn't make it work. We were trying to do uh, a lot of upper end pieces and had a doctor's wife. He sent her by to come look at a piece and she saw the, uh, the sign that said pawn and she didn't even get out of the car. She just drove off and left. Wow. And I called him and he said, I couldn't get her to go in. So there's a stigma that obviously, you know, we, we are still working hard every, every minute of every day to overcome because of the negative uh, connotation through the, the movies and all those sorts of things that we've had to deal with. You know, I, um, at one time we were called cash code jewelry and loan because of that bad stigma. And then what we did is we spent a ton of money on PR. I mean, we were on every single news station in every single magazine, every single newspaper in the city to be able to help the word that, Pawn isn't a negative word. And obviously with Pawn Stars that came out and Hardcore Pawn, it was kind of cool to visit a pawn shop. They, you know, those guys helped when it came to a, a good name uh, for the industry when it came to Pawn. Sure. But I, I totally understand what you mean. A lot of people, you know, they'll text me, hey, do you guys have bikes? I'm like, 40 of them? What would you like? Just come in. And, and they don't come in. So what have you found that works in your advertising and your marketing Obviously, you're kind of under the radar as a pawn shop, but what do, you, what do you think that other pawn shops can do with your experience as a president of associations to break the stigma? You know, I think the, the main thing, and it's so basic and simple, and it's things that you hear a lot of the, uh, the guys that, that do the, the seminars uh, when you go to the state shows or the regional shows or NPA and uh, they talk about the same things, but it's so important. First appearance is so important. Uh, if you're not, when you walk in your door every morning, if you're not gleaning the area and picking up trash or having somebody do that, then you're not, you're doing a disservice to your business. It's got to be presentable, uh, and you've got to put your best foot forward, uh, no matter what business you're in, but specifically the pawn business, because, uh, you know, a number of your customers may have never set foot in a pawn shop before. And you want that experience for them to be, uh, to be a good one. And in order for it to be a good one, they've got to feel comfortable. So you've got to, you know, it's got to be welcoming. You, You know, you hate to do the old Walmart or, or waffle house morning, uh, every time somebody walks in, but, it's important to to make the customers uh, you know feel comfortable when they come in uh, and have everything uh, clean and organized to where uh, they they can kind of feel their way around and and don't you know don't feel uh, threatened or intimidated by uh, by the surroundings. So I think more than uh, that, more than anything, is is really important when you're talking about because a pawn shop is nothing more than a than a retail store. Um, that sells money. Um, yeah. we, we, we sell money, uh, but we also are a retail store. And, and of course, you know, forgetting about my personal situation, talking about general pawn now, but it's a retail store. So it needs to look like a retail store. And I think as time evolves and the years go by, you're going to see more and more of the, 
uh, showcasing and bright lights and neon signage and the things that you see from all of the big box stores. And you're already seeing it, but I think it needs to trickle down uh, to, uh, to, to all of the pawn shops uh, uh, so that, you know, so that that image can be, you know, can be shared. Yeah. Just a quick story. I went to lunch at a famous restaurant here in San Diego and it's run by a, a group called the Cohen Group. They have like 15 restaurants. I mean, just huge, you know, big business, some of the best top restaurants in San Diego. And I was outside in the parking lot and there was a lady, probably like 80 years old, picking up cigarette butts from the parking lot. And so I saw one of the employees and I said, hey, you know, I think you guys should check her, make sure she's okay. You know, cigarette, picking up cigarette butts from the parking lot. And the guy was a busboy, and he turns to me and he goes, that's Mrs. Cohen. I'm like, like the, like the Mrs. Cohen, like Grandma Cohen? He's like, yeah, she's the owner of all these restaurants. So it shouldn't be beneath us pawnbrokers to pick up some garbage, clean the store when we need to, because it's our image. It's who yep. we are. That's a great story. You that's know? a great story. And you reminded me of it, so thank you so much. And, yeah, and Tim, I, I, want, I, want to go into, I want to go into something What's been the hardest thing for you when it comes to the industry? Just a moment in your life where you were like, I, 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 I got to get out. This is too much for me. Or is this really what I want? You know, I don't know that I ever really had a situation where I really did some soul searching and said, is this really what I want to do? But I, I have a, an ongoing struggle uh, day by day in dealing with, pawn customers who are in need and they just don't have, uh, you know, the resources to be able to get the amount of money that they need. You want to help everybody and you try to help everybody as much as you can. But, you know, I, I had to learn the hard way that no is a complete sentence. <laughs> you know, you, you get, obviously, uh, you know, you, you try not to ask how's it going because they'll tell you and then you won't, have time to even look at the, the merchandise that you're dealing with. Yeah. They're going to tell you about all their problems, but, uh, but you know, you want to find out how much do you need and invariably everybody needs more obviously than what you can give them. Um, but you try to come up with a happy medium. And then on the other end, you know, when the time comes and, and, uh, the, the foreclosure list gets uh, worked a couple of weeks and then it gets to my desk and you look at the names and you look at the file and you look at the jewelry and you know how much that means to them and how long they've been a customer. And you just have to, you know, you have to, to suck it up and, and do whatever you can. And of course, this is something that, that Gordon's jewelers taught me years and years ago, collect the account and save the customer. Uh, well, whatever you have to do, if you've got to give them a little more time or if you've got to knock a, a month off or whatever to try to help them out of a tough jam, trust me, it will come back on you tenfold uh, by helping your customers uh, get by in a, in a slow time or a bad time and they won't forget it. Um, so well, that, that's, that's, been, that's been the hardest thing for me. Yeah, and it costs more money to get a new client as opposed to retain a client. Absolutely. And I think that's what people don't realize. When you have a customer who walked into your store, who doesn't care about the pawn stigma, pawned something, bought something from you, you want to nourish them. You want to create that 
the culture, you want to create that environment where if I'm a Pacer customer, I, I love it. Like it's okay. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. And, and I know that Tim's going to take care of me. So I think like you've, you brought up two great things. One for the pawn shops out there who are listening, clean your stores, right? Make sure that you have a good clean image. You know, for us, I remember we, we would put film on the showcases and every three months we take the film off. So they weren't all scratched up. Uh, every morning the managers would walk, do a walkthrough of the outside of the store to make sure that there wasn't any garbage. So I love what you said, clean your store and two, nourish your client, nourish your customer, make sure that uh, you keep them. I love it. Let's, let's move on, Tim, to something I wanted to talk to you about, which is the re- one of the reasons why I love the fact that you're on here, being the president of the National Palm Brokers Association. Mm-hmm. I was the keynote speaker this year and, it, and I had a great time. It was a great crowd. Tell us, tell us what's to come. Tell us what the MPA is doing, what benefits it gives palm brokers if they're not listening, excuse me, if they're listening and they're not a member of the MPA. Sure. Um, well, you know, it kind of, the idea kind of dovetails back to what we were just talking about as far as um, what you can do uh, to put your best foot forward um, besides just a clean store, um, whether or not you feel like you can uh, afford to join the National Pawn Brokers Association and, and the due structure as it is, or uh, whether uh, you, you uh, are affiliated with a state association. It's so important in the, from a branding standpoint. Um, if you've got that, um, we, we provide uh, little uh, door stickers, window stickers to all of our state association members, just like the NPA does that has the NPA logo that you can proudly display on your uh, front door of your store, or your front window. Uh, it means something to so many people uh, when you're affiliated with a, an association. It shows that you're committed to doing things the right way and that you're, uh, you're interested in uh, good feedback. Um, I read a story today about uh, the big baller brand and how um, uh, they are they have an F rating with the Better Business Bureau wow. because of all the complaints and everything that they've gotten. And and uh, uh, the father made the comment that he didn't even know that the BBB existed anymore. <laughs> BBB now stands for Big Baller Brand. Um, but I don't think that's the right attitude to have. Mm-hmm. I think anything you can do, um, and of course, uh, we'd love to have, you know, all of the, all of the, uh, pawn shops across the country support the association because, uh, the association supports all of the pawn shops across the country, regardless of whether they realize it or not through our, our, uh, our outreach and, and through our, uh, community service that, that pawnbrokers do that are members of the National Association and the work that the NPA does in Washington with our, uh, with our, our meetings with members, uh, meetings with agencies that are uh, constantly trying to create more burden and more uh, red tape uh, for small businesses, which, you know, most shops are small businesses, let's face it, uh, even though you may have multiple stores, if you, if you boil it down, uh, we're all still small businesses and, uh, we want less regulation instead of more regulation. So we're, we're constantly working to try to alleviate some of that burden on, on the small shops 
and uh, and so it, you know it's an ongoing challenge as an association. Whether you're talking about a a state association, I saw you out uh, in San Diego at the yeah. Kappa show. It was a great show and really enjoyed visiting with a lot of the pawnbrokers out there. Learned a lot, um, and uh, or, or you know small smaller states like Arkansas uh, or you know Missouri or wherever uh, there are. Uh, not state associations affiliated with, you know, probably 20 states. They don't even have a state association. So, um, you know, we're always encouraging pawnbrokers to get involved. You don't have a so state association, reach out to the NPA. We're happy to help uh, in getting that organized. We're working right now with New Mexico. They're having issues in Albuquerque and we're helping them with city council out there and getting them nice. facts and information about uh, all of the, the negative things that, that are, are faults about pawn and, and stolen property. You know, it's, I'm sure you've heard it a million times. You meet somebody and they say, Oh, you're in the pawn business. Hey, I had this stolen from me. How can I find out? You know, that's the stigma that, you know, even though we know that, you know, less than 1% of merchandise that we, you know, that we report to law enforcement even turns out to be stolen. So, you know, those are all things that we work hard to, to try and overcome. Uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm talking all around your question, but uh, as far as the NPA goes, we're working really, really hard right now uh, to uh, find some new revenue streams, uh, some new uh, benefits that we can offer uh, as an association that will pay for themselves and, and actually make you want to join the association because it's going to save you money as opposed to costing you money. Uh, and in turn, by doing things like that, uh, we'll be able to take some of the cost burden away from attendance to regional shows and the National Pawn Expo uh, to where it's not so expensive to bring multiple people to the show uh, and the vendors don't have to uh, su uh, support the industry through uh, huge sponsorships and things of that nature. It, it had gotten to the point to where uh, it had become a revenue stream uh, and we had to rely on that revenue stream and we're trying to move away from that as an association so that we can offer things to the average pawnbroker uh, at a minimal cost and try to bring some of those costs down that have been escalating over time uh, so that we can get more participation from some of the smaller shops uh, and at the same time create uh, and excitement around Pawn Expo and the regional shows by uh, allowing you the opportunity to visit with pawnbrokers that have been in the business for years and years and years, like your brother and your father have been, share some of that knowledge uh, with some of the newbies that are, that are, you know, been only been in the business 10 years, people that are still learning and, and thirsty for, for, uh, knowledge and information about the pawn industry. Uh, and, you know, you all, you know, as well as I do, pawnbrokers are, are very caring people and sharing people, and they're willing to, to open up their uh, information and share that information about how, uh, you know, how the business is run and what they can do. They're not secretive like it was back when I was in the retail jewelry business and you couldn't get a jeweler down the street to even answer your phone call because it was so competitive. Yeah. No, and for me, 
you know, we've got a couple of minutes, but for me, the most important thing about going to these shows was I learned so much from the conversations, just, you know, dinners, lunches, breakfast with other pawnbrokers, what they were doing in different states, what they were doing in different places. I learned so much. And because of that, I grew because of that, my business succeeded. So my recommendation to any pawnbroker out there who's listening to the podcast is become a member of your state association and the MPA. I think it's super important to support both causes. And uh, Tim, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a no, pleasure and an honor. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you asking me. Hopefully, you'll, hopefully we did okay and you'll have me on again. Yeah, and, and I'll see you out in Little Rock, hopefully, right? Absolutely. For the, Absolutely. Looking forward to it. We're, yeah. Give, uh, give them some information about that conference that you're putting on. Yep. What's, so, the, what's uh, the website? Yep. It's... Uh, dixieconvention.com www.dixieconvention.com we have a four state show alabama arkansas louisiana and mississippi the show rotates to different locations this year we're hosting it in little rock arkansas for the first time uh, downtown at the marriott in the river market district uh, we're going to have a pawn tour. I stole that idea from when I was out at the Kappa show. So we're going to do a, a pawn tour and uh, take a trip over to Oaklawn Park and uh, watch a few thoroughbred horse races uh, the day before the show starts. So that'll be a fun uh, add-on that we haven't had before. And then we have usually about 50 vendors that come in, a uh, couple of hundred pawnbrokers. It's one of the, even though I'm been actively involved with it i'm proud to say it's one of the better run uh, regional shows it's not perfect we don't have dana and the staff doing it so we don't we, we we're constantly working through bugs and problems because it's a pawn convention run by pawnbrokers we don't nice. have anybody on staff to do that yeah. so we all share the load but it's a lot of good people from the south and good southern hospitality uh so if you've not been to the dixie show uh talk to somebody and see if you can reach out to somebody that has, they'll tell you we have a lot of fun and uh, we learn a, a way to learn a lot in the process. And we're excited about you coming and, and being a part of that in April. I'm excited to go to Little Rock. I've never been. So uh, I'm excited to speak. Thank you so much. And everybody for listening. Thank you so much for listening to the show, Tim. Once again, thank you very, very much. If you want to continue the conversation, remember on Facebook, you can go to the Pond Leaders Community uh, Podcast. I should say that again. It's the Pawn Leaders Podcast Community. And uh, thanks again for listening. It's been a pleasure. If you want to find out more about the Pawn Leaders, a group of like-minded pawnbrokers who want to take their business and their lives to the next level, go to pawnleaders.com. Tim, have an incredible day. Thank you once you again. Too. Thanks, you guys. Bye.